I'm here with Father William Blazik. That's right, Blazik. And I'm, you're a Jesuit, and I'm going to let you introduce your job position, uh, what you've been Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. <laughs> so I have the privilege of running what's called the Pope's Prayer Network, the Apostleship of Prayer in the United States and Canada. And we are sharing the Holy Father's intentions, uh, his prayer intentions monthly. You'll often hear people saying, Pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. Well, he actually has specific intentions. We're praying for Catholics in China mm -hmm. in March. And then we also share devotion to the Sacred Heart. Hmm. Also, I wanted to ask you as a, a Jesuit, I, I've been trying to pray the examine prayer more. Um, we can come back to the Sacred Heart at the end. But mm -hmm. uh, the Ignatian examine, I was really struck. I was reading about it, so I've been trying to do it about... Uh, you know, you start with the gratitude to God, and, and I found that really helpful in my day, you know, just to thank God for different things and to pray the Holy Spirit. And then then that next step in, like, exp explain that next step about the consolations and the desolations that you look for in examining your day. Sure. We look for places where we've been moving towards God or moving away. And, of course, St. Ignatius uh, is famous for his discernment of spirits. Sometimes there's spirits that are nudging us one way or the other, uh, either towards temptation or helping us to step away from temptation. And so it might be that uh, I may have been tempted not to help you with this podcast and to disappear. Uh, but on the other hand, I may have had a prompting from, from God in my own prayer Hmm, maybe I should be generous and cooperate with my Franciscan <laughs> brothers today. And so uh, you think about something like that. And the consolation generally brings joy, peace, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then as you pray through those, we pray for God either to strengthen the grace or to remove any kind of temptation or sin that might have popped up during the day. Right. And I, I know it got my attention because I know the Jesuits have been amazing history of just achieving and doing so much and seem like they're discerning a lot and they're, you know, they're pushing and growing things and all that. So, and you see that in his life, um, St. Ignatius, too, about just the convalescence, right? Reading the lives of the saints and how that consolation. I guess the thing I wonder about sometimes is, you know, are we supposed to be careful about like the feelings part of it. Like we might be in a, a time of aridity and this just might be our duty. And I don't, I'm not feeling it, you know, <laughs> but it seems to be God's will. How do you, how do you discern that? In sure. It? And those discernments, discernments are of course nuanced. And I think it's good for people who are in a position to, and find it helpful to have a spiritual director to help them with the big discernments, particularly but even in day-to-day, -day, we're making choices about moving closer to God or perhaps moving further away. Ignatius, I think, was big on moving from the head to the heart and to really feel in union with Jesus, with Jesus in the Passion, as we're now in Lent, and then with the resurrected Jesus, whom we celebrated today on Sunday, but who we will celebrate uh, particularly in the Paschal festivities in the Triduum. So how do we be careful that this isn't just sentimentality? And I think you're, you're, you have a very good point there. It's not just being happy. 
But what Ignatius calls a genuine happiness and spiritual joy. And I think many of us and maybe many of your listeners will have had that experience where at some point in their life, they just really felt God with them. Or you just knew that this had to be something other than our own volition. That might be a good touchstone. It's that deeper joy, the joy of love, maybe the joy of marriage or your religious vocation, as opposed to, you know, I got a lollipop and that made me happy. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a sense to that, hey, God does want me to be doing this right now. And it's I'm having some anxiety or anxiousness about it, but maybe I, I still have a feeling this is what God, and maybe that's part of the discernment you can tell, like looking at your day, that yeah, this was difficult, but I think this is where God wants me. Yeah. I had the, the privilege to be assigned to one of our retreat houses for uh, a couple of years down in Louisiana. And often retreatants would come with fairly complex problems with a lot of information, something in their family or from work. And actually, it comes often, very often, to the discernment of spirits, as Ignatius says. it. And when you mention this word, well, there's some anxiety very often that is the bad spirit trying to trip us up. It's not a sign of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as I say, removes obstacles and strengthens us, whereas the bad spirit raises obstacles and says, well, I can't do this examination every day. Where am I gonna find five minutes? I'm busy. <laughs> and uh, so, so little words like that really would cue me often that a, a, a retreat would have a very complex story and it comes down to a subtle spiritual attack was just sort of throwing them off. Which spirit wants you to do a daily examination prayer and which spirit is probably trying to talk you out of it? I think sometimes stepping back and asking that question makes it uh, more simple. Mm -hmm. And I kind of blitzed through those steps. Could you could you run through the steps for the five? Is it sure. the five? Sure, and you'll, yeah. you'll see it written different ways, mm -hmm. but it's good always to pause and just recall that we're in the presence of God. And that can be very centering or a kind of a recollection. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do call to mind our, our blessings, the gratitudes. And when you mentioned uh, that you find that very helpful, very often gratitude moves us towards love. Gratitude allows us to be thankful to God and that can move us towards love of God. Yeah, you know, the thing I guess it kind of did for me is like, you know, well, yeah, I can see that God does love me. I mean, look at these ways he showed up in my life. I mean, we could always have a laundry list of stuff we want different or whatever. <laughs> but God showed up in a big way with these things I'm thanking him for. Mm -hmm. And I can come to believe in, in his love for me. Oh, just, you know, making a, gra a short gratitude every day can be such a wonderful practice. For people who are in recovery, say from addiction or doing 12-step work, often asked to make a gratitude list and it sort of turns off the negative uh, attention. So the next step after making a prayer of gratitude um, can be to look at the times and places where we've moved towards God or away from God, as we discussed earlier in the podcast. So. Is there a time where I was moved towards selfishness or towards envy or towards greed or even towards a more uh, serious sin? Maybe I was tempted and took something from work. You know, they won't miss a crate of oranges or whatever it is. Um, 
On the other hand, too, there might have been some grace or blessing. And it says, you know, I saw a homeless man and I, I almost just walked past because I was on my way to work. I don't have time. And instead, I was prompted to give him, you know, my granola bar as an act of charity during Lent. Mm -hmm. So that is a and and they had a consolation. Suddenly I realized God wanted me to do that. I encountered Christ. Right. Um, so that would be the step where we're looking at, at those movements. Then Ignatius asks us to form to form a resolution. And that resolution could be, Lord, help me to be generous. It might be, Lord, save me from this temptation to pilfer or to steal. You know, I picked those mm -hmm. examples out of a hat. Um, Lord, help me. And I really like that prayer because often we struggle with sin and with grace thinking that we can sort of white-knuckle it, either white-knuckle it by our efforts towards God or white-knuckle our sin and say, I will conquer this. But I like the idea of saying, Lord, help Lord, help me. I, I need your help to overcome this. Right. And then he would say, close with any common prayer you might like. You could pray the Our Father or the Hail Mary or something for that intention. Yeah. I remember listening to this, um, it was a podcast, it was some secular kind of productivity guru. And he talked about like the biggest difference we can make in our day is just to pause in the beginning of the day or the night before. And as he put it, just go an inch deep into thinking about what do you want to do tomorrow? You know, what is, you know, just to put some, thought behind, okay, I got this to do. And you know, some people are really good at making a list or prioritizing and stuff. And some of us aren't that good. <laughs> and it just struck me just to engage and like an examine, you know, we're, we're looking at things and we're looking about how to improve mm -hmm. and just to go an inch deep, even, even if it was just five, a few minutes can make a difference. You know, I think humanity has recognized at a secular level and at the spiritual level, I'm not sure if it was Plato or Socrates, but I think early on one of the philosophers said, the unexamined life is not worth living, right? right? right. So there is this drive to do some self-reflection with the idea of growing in virtue. And so I, I can see how you might hear a, um, a self-help guy yeah. or, a, or a productivity person. But in the spiritual life, this is um, a great tool to look and see where God is active. And as you say, yeah. to look at the day ahead. Ignatius also has a pointer in prayer. He says, before you go to bed, ask God for what you're gonna want in the morning. And when you get up in the morning, ask him right away. You know, there's many prayers you can make in the morning or upon going to bed. Mm -hmm. So say that tomorrow, I really wanna work on not gossiping, mm -hmm. okay? So I just say, Lord, save me from gossiping in the morning. And when I wake up in the morning, just say, you know, Lord, today, please save me from gossiping or help me to, to hold my tongue. And that reminds us, it strengthens us. It places it in the frame of the day. And of course you can make some other kind of positive re resolution as opposed to holding your tongue. It could be, um, Lord, help me to as I say, be more generous, or Lord, help me to be more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The opposite of sloth, you uh, know, more productive right, or something right. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And, and St. Ignatius himself, he would do it many times, right, throughout the day, like an examine. Yeah, so there is yeah. this, I'm not sure if the story is apocryphal. You know, sometimes they mm -hmm. steal our favorite stories of the saints <laughs> from us. But there's, it's said that St. Ignatius, um, one of the brethren came up to him and Ignatius said, how many times have you made your examination today, brother? And he said, oh, three, father. And Ignatius said, so few? You know, so, yeah, um, you can do it multiple times and it doesn't have to take a long time. I think sometimes yeah. feel like, oh, you know, I have to do a 15 minute examination. Right, right. If you can, you can do a 15 minute examination. It might be good just to go through each step and think of one thing. What's one thing I'm grateful for today? What's one place I fell short? What's one place God's grace was active? You know, mm -hmm. and um, so it it can be uh, done multiple times a day. And in discerning like spirits, you know, you mentioned how anxiety can come from the evil one. And what are some of those pitfalls that we should that might be helpful for us to be able to recognize kind of quickly and say that's not of God? Sure. So Ignatius outlined what he calls the the discernment of spirits. Sometimes you call they're called rules sometimes they're called guidelines that's just a matter of translation but um one of the rules about the bad spirit is that the bad spirit knows our weaknesses saint mother teresa who was um you know grounded with many jesuits who helped her with her spirituality also said it this way the devil will use anything including the truth if it will divert you from god's will so he knows us and Ignatius said the devil can be like a commander circling a castle and they're going to put it under siege, like a medieval siege. And they'll look at the castle and they'll realize, oh, well, this is the weakest point in this castle. It's the gate or the, you know, there's a window or there's a wall that's weak. And he might look at our soul. So he might look at my soul and say, you know, ah, well, Father Blazik is given over to envy and uh, will jog my memory about things that I thought I should have had. You know, I should have been the librarian. I should have been the uh, football captain, whatever it might be. But he knows our weakness. And uh, if you notice yourself under what we call a characteristic attack, it just keeps coming at you. That's one of the signs that it's from the bad spirit. And just recognizing it can be very freeing. Another way the bad spirit works is he whispers lies in secret. So sometimes we'll have something that's troubling our conscience. We'll say, you know, I guess I should bring this to the confession, but it's just too embarrassing. I, I'm just going to keep it to myself or, or, well, this doesn't need to be discussed. And the, the devil will, will keep it secretly, tempt us to keep it secret. Whereas bringing it into the light allows the Holy Spirit to shine on it. Ignatius says, sort of like if a, if a good daughter or a good wife, if someone's trying to seduce her, if she tells the husband or she tells the father, the father can do something about it. Your confessor can't help you with what you don't tell your confessor. And so Ignatius says, bring it into the light. The idea to keep something spiritually troubling secret is another mark of the bad spirit. Uh, so those would be two ways to, to know that that's going on. 
And sometimes I use the idea, if I don't want to say it, I probably need to say it. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's one way. That's a much shorter way. I, I said it in 300 words. You said it in but, five. But two, I think, you know, yeah, we do want to have a, a robust, strong conscience, you know, not given to scruples and stuff. So you can see how people try to yeah, discern that. What, what does the consolation, how would you describe that again? That, okay, God's leading me in this direction. I need to keep going in this direction. Like the peace, the joy you mentioned. Yeah, what we mentioned. So genuine happiness and spiritual joy. So right out of our, our spiritual exercises, it's, it's characteristic of God and his angels by the motions they cause to give genuine happiness and spiritual joy. I've always found that a helpful dictum characteristic of God and his angels by the motions they cause to give genuine happiness and spiritual joy. So it, it remains to us to decide what is a genuine happiness, what's a genuine spiritual joy. But I also point out to people, you know, if it's helping you to grow in faith, hope, and charity, if it's bringing wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, those are the marks of the Holy Spirit. And so that's also a good sign of a consolation. The other sign, I think the other sense, uh, you know, sometimes the consolation can be very thrilling. And you say, you know, when the, when the Holy Spirit gives you the right word to speak every once in a while, and you just say, you know, it's just like with St. Paul, he will give us the words to speak. Uh -huh. And um, and sometimes it's that kind of excitement. You knock it out of the park. <laughs> right, right. But I think more often it's subtle. More often it's yeah. subtle, as we mentioned. Yeah. I know something I... I try to think about too sometimes is this is something going back to seminary. I remember our spiritual director would tell us, you know, to, to check our motivation sometimes that, you know, as a, a minister, you can kind of feed off the flock. Like you're getting your strokes in some way, mm -hmm. you know, is this is my ego being, in, and it kind of feels good, might feel exciting, but yeah, I'm not really growing in faith, hope, and love. My ego is just getting bigger and bigger and mm -hmm. bigger. Yeah. And uh, so it's something because that feels good, but it's it ultimately leaves you empty because it's never enough, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something that can come back to the examination. Why am I doing this? You know, why did I compliment somebody on the good job they did? Was it to help them grow? You know, we had um, a family that their their children came to serve mass, and they did a very good job. So you could compliment the family. Um, with an eye towards building those young men up as better acolytes, or maybe compliment the family hoping to get invited to dinner or something. I don't know. Right. So we do have to check our motivations. Right. Now, you also uh, work uh, with promoting the Sacred Heart. And um, you told me about a desire to kind of help it to appeal to the modern sensibilities. Tell us about that work. Sure. The Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is so pervasive in Catholic culture, especially in the art that you would see mm -hmm. in any church that was built, certainly before the council, I think. There's just images of the Sacred Heart all over the place. And I never really was raised with it. So it took until I was in my 30s, I heard on a cassette tape, somebody was giving a, a, a talk about Marian apparitions, and on it, it, it had a, just a few sentences about the Sacred Heart. The sacred heart, crowned, bleeding for our transgressions, pierced by the soldier's lance with water and blood, and on fire, on fire with love, surmounted by a cross. 
And it totally made sense to me finally. It's an artistic representation of Christ's love, of his salvific mission, of uh, his redemptive offering. And so it's by the grace of God. When I was a novice, I offered to my um, provincial at that time, I said, you know, if you want someone to promote the Sacred Heart, I'd be happy to do it. Well, 15 years later, I get a phone call. <laughs> well, I was standing next to a statue of the Sacred Heart, by the way, at one of our retreat houses. And they said, well, could you, um, we were wondering if you would take over this role. <laughs> yeah. I said, of course, Father. Uh -huh. And um, so... Uh, I've heard there's been... There's oftentimes great trials. So when people go to promote the Sacred Heart. I, I've talked to a guy who was writing a, a big doctorate or something on it, and he just his, and he said actually Cardinal Burke warned him of it. When you go to promote the Sacred Heart, prepare yourself for trials. I think it's true. Um, there's many graces, of course, no doubt. The Sacred Heart pops up in younger Jesuits' prayer in ways that can be surprising because they might not have been raised with that piety. They might not have been meditating mm -hmm. on it. And they'll say, you know, I had the most interesting experience, but I just was praying and I uh, I could see the sacred heart, you know, in my imagination. Um, so when, we, when I hear that, I always think there's much more to the idea of the sacred heart than just a nice little painting to put on right. your wall. Right. It, it's, a, it's a mystical prayer. And um, of course, there's been many visionaries that had different encounters with Jesus and the Sacred Heart. But um, just to go on on how we share it, um, there's the first Fridays, there's the promises of St. Mary, M Margaret Mary, Alacoque to her. But also, um, we have what we're walking is called the way of the heart. And there are ways to be devoted to the Sacred Heart that aren't purely out of Paray-Lamonial. So some people are familiar with that, the First Fridays, the promises <clears throat> to St. Margaret Mary. But also there were visionaries before that that had a way of being related to the Sacred Heart. There's also, say, the Eucharistic Heart of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we look at it a little more broadly now and just say, okay, how can we help people to grow in love with Jesus? And of course, his heart is one of those images. So we have nine steps that are based on the spiritual exercises that can help people walk towards that. <coughs> and the great fruit of it, isn't it? It's all about like God loves us, right? It's a, it's kind of the, the basic message of the Sacred Heart. It is, absolutely. It's a message of love. And in that, it's a message of mercy, um, which is, I think, as we're thinking through Lent, uh, I just gave a retreat at this retreat house near the EWTN uh, compound. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we talked about was love and mercy. And I think the Sacred Heart's a great image of that, along with the divine mercy. You know, it's the same Jesus. It's a different, uh, it's a different artistic representation. Right. <coughs> And I just had a question about uh, Pope Francis being a Jesuit, and you yourself are a Jesuit. What do you see characteristic of him, maybe in some of his themes or style, that you say, well, he got that from the Jesuits, or that's his Jesuit charism? Sure. <laughs> well, one is that he really insists that um, love speaks in actions and words, so even more in action than in words. Uh, you have to walk the walk. You can't just mm -hmm. talk the talk. So mm -hmm. I think that's faith and works. But St. Ignatius, at the conclusions of the exercises, really asks us, you know, go into action. 
Right. Uh, we're contemplatives in action. There's a contemplative role in the church, of course, but at least our spirituality is very action-oriented. And I think the Holy Father tries to draw people in practical ways concretely into the mission of the church. The other thing that I often see is he likes to give points for reflection. So sometimes when he's giving um, a talk or a homily, he'll give you a few things to think about rather than telling you what to think. And that can be very Ignatian is sort of, well, reflect on, on um, you know, Mary Magdalene's love of the Lord or something. Right. The other thing that I see in him is memory. He places great emphasis on looking at our memories and seeing how God has been at work across our life. And that also is very Ignatian, in the joys, in the gratitude, in the graces, and how that memory can inform and strengthen our faith and love of the Lord. So this would be some things that stand out about his his Jesuit character. And I, I mean, God sometimes, I say in my own life too, he has like a repeated theme. I mean, he's always surprising, unexpected, but he also like seems like he works along a, like a certain theme in my life, you know, sometimes that he, he gives me the same message again and again, you know, different ways. Yeah. Are we going to listen to it? That's one of the questions. Sure. <laughs> have you spent time in South America? Have you... I have. I had, you know, by the grace of God, the missionaries of charity took a little bit of a shine to me and they invited me to give these retreats. So I've, I've had the chance to go to Caracas, Venezuela. Um, I, I gave the retreats to them in Rio de Janeiro and um, Buenos Aires, and then mm. in the Car Caribbean, which isn't exactly South America, you know, but uh, in Haiti, which is a, a you know pretty um, troubled country. Mm. So yes, I have. I, I can't say that I know his Argentinian heritage that well if we're talking about right, Pope Francis. Right, right. With the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa, um, yeah, she had yeah Jesuit some Jesuit spiritual directors and. How do, you, how do you think that influenced her from what you know of and see in the sisters today? Yeah, I think, well, the, it's certainly in their prayer, the discernment of spirits in that regard, as I mentioned, that things where she would say things like, well, the bad spirit can tempt you under the appearance of good by using the truth. Um, I think that would be one of the principal ways. You know, I think they pause to examine their conscience twice a day that way. Mm -hmm. And it's built. They have a, a very nice little prayer book for the sisters that has their prayers through the day. And there's a, a very specific way that they examine their conscience uh, at noontime, as I understand it. And then in the evening, it's sort of a rotating set of questions. So on Monday, mm -hmm. you ask yourself these questions. On Tuesday, others. Mm -hmm. On Wednesday, another. So that examination of conscience... Uh, certainly is part of the spirituality. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Father, for chatting with us and explaining these things to us. Well, thank you for having me with you. Mm -hmm.